Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us for this episode for Sunday, December 5th, 2021. It's entitled, Matthew's Messiah, Religious Report Card. Well, welcome aboard, and it may interest you to know, if this is your first time here, that at dredhill.podbean.com, the home of This Week in the Word, there are, with the posting of this episode, 167 free episodes for you to listen to and even share with others. If you like what you hear after you've listened, be sure to not only like the episode, but consider following the podcast. Well, you've made it here, even though we might be among the most uh, hidden, technologically hidden podcast available today. You found us. That's pretty amazing. Matthew's Messiah, a religious report card. You remember report card day? Did you look forward to it or dread it? I could say most of the time I looked forward to report cards because I knew I'd done pretty well. But as I got into high school and encountered advanced math like geometry, algebra, and so forth, it got tougher. I didn't always look forward to report card day because at one point I was on the football team. And if you brought in your report card, which we had to do to the coaches, and you had made a D or an F in a subject, you got whipped with the paddle. Talk about motivation. (laughs) Listen, if God handed out religious report cards, they would not be like A's, B's, C's, D's, and F's. Those report cards would be pass or fail. Now, how would you and I do if God gave out religious report cards? Ponder that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to look at the entire chapter today as we consider a religious report card. And we're going to see here as Jesus issues a religious report card, and wait till you hear this, He does not even deal with the secular, liberal, religious types that were in religion because it was a good gig that could make a lot of money and you could dance to it or something like American Bandstand. You know, they weren't, they were just using it to enrich themselves. And there's plenty of people today in religion that do that. But that doesn't mean everybody does that. But there are a lot of people, I think, that do that. But he doesn't even deal with them because, you know why? They were already too far gone. We're going to see as the Lord Jesus Christ gives a religious report card in Matthew 23 that he focuses his denunciations on those who professed to love God and believe the Bible. But it turns out that they graded out as play actors And we certainly do not want to grade out that way, do we? Now, Jesus does not grade on the outside, but he grades primarily about what's going on on the inside. We can look really good on the outside, but be evil to the core 
on the inside. And you know what? In a positive way, by trusting in him, if we get the inside right, then the outside will be right as well. Now see if you can figure out as we read through Matthew 23, what Jesus grades on and what he loves and what he hates. And by the way, this may be news to some of you who are listening. It won't be to our loyal listeners. Jesus Christ is God come to earth as the perfect God man. So this is God issuing a religious report card. And by the way, this happens during what we often call the Passion Week. Literally, in a couple of days, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be betrayed, tried, crucified, killed, buried, and he will rise again the third day. All of that is about to happen, but he takes time out here to make it clear what is truly important. So let's go to Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew 23, we read starting in verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So who were the scribes and Pharisees? The scribes were the people who were so serious about the things of God that they carefully preserved the word of God. The Pharisees are what we might call today Bible-believing conservatives. They truly believed in God and truly wanted to keep his word. But as we've mentioned before in Matthew's Messiah, they got off the track somewhere along the way. But these are the ones Jesus zeroes in on, not the Sadducees, the liberals who, I think in their hearts, they really didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in spiritual things. In fact, we know for sure they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the resurrection and, you know, on down the line. I don't think they really believed anything. They were just in it for what they could get out of it. Do not be like that. But Jesus doesn't deal with them. He deals with the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because they occupied Moses' seat. In other words, it was like they were taking the place of Moses and explaining the word of God. And he says here in verse three, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that is when they were teaching the law of God and the prophets, whatever, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. So they were still teaching scripture. Now think about that. But the other part of that verse is, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So they were pretty good at telling what God says, but they were really bad at not doing it themselves. And he's going to explain this further in verse four. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born 
and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So they were, in their zeal, they were loading people up beyond their ability to to do the religious thing. And this is not what the Lord intended, but that's what they were doing. And yet they didn't concern themselves with a lot of that. Verse five, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. Oh man, can can you believe that? The things that they did do, they wanted people to say, what a guy, you know, and brag on them and just say they were great. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. These were um, religious things they had and enlarge the borders of their garments. So they, they wanted to be noticed. They wanted to be seen and for men to think well of them. Verse six, it gets worse. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. So whenever there was a feast, a religious feast, that was supposed to honor God, they wanted to make sure that they were seated at the head table, for example. And they wanted the, the best, most public, visible places in the synagogues. Why would they want that, Pastor Ed? To be seen. So people would say, what a guy. Are you starting to get the picture here? Verse seven, and greetings in the markets. That is when they were out in the market, which I'm sure they went to so they could get these, that people say, there's Rabbi so-and-so, you know, and people would make over them and fawn over them and all of that. And greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Wow. Verse eight. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. He's talking about himself. And all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, you know, capital F there, for one is your father which is in heaven. You know, it's one thing to appreciate those who help us and mentor us and teach us. It's another thing to worship them. So be careful about that. Verse 10. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Now, the scribes and Pharisees were really big on all this stuff that he's denouncing. And here's why it's denounced. Look in verse 11. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. See, Jesus flips the script here. This is what we should all be seeking to be, is better servants of Christ and of our brothers and sisters in Christ and of our fellow men. Is the world a better place because you and I are here? I mean, I'm going to use a silly example, but I mean, it could be a very valid one. 
if the place where you live or work is messy, do you just clean it up? Not because somebody told you to, but because you are there to serve Christ and serve your fellow man, to, to do good. And think about that. Verse 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself, which they were very good at, by the way, as we've seen, verse 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. You know, people who exalt themselves, they're going to be humbled down. They might as well go ahead and do it anyway for the right reason. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now, will he be exalted by men? Maybe, maybe not. But he will be exalted by God. God notices that and he commends that when people humble themselves before him and are his witnesses and just as Jesus did, go about doing good, right? I mean, sad to say, but many religious people are of no use at all, and they're very irritating to people who do not know God. If, if you are irritating to people who do not know God, it could be because you're honoring the Lord and living by Scripture. I will grant that. But it might be that you're just irritating the people. That is not something to be proud of. So make sure that you humble yourself. And if you need to be exalted, God will exalt you. Verse 13. How are we doing on a report card, by the way? Verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now that word hypocrite there is a word that means a play actor. And in the plays back in that day, like among the Greeks, the actors use mask to signify their emotions so people could see that at a distance. You were seeing the mask the actor wore, but you weren't seeing his real face. You, you get the idea? And it be, over time, it became to be a very derogatory idea that... Uh, you know, you're play acting. You're not the real deal. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For neither, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer, and that word means allow, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. That is not a good thing. Verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore, ye shall receive the greater damnation. Verse 15. I would say they're scoring D's and F's right here. This is pass or fail anyway. I would say they're failing. How about you? What would you say? What would you say about yourself, not just about them? Verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land 
to make one proselyte. That means find one person to convert to the Jewish faith, you know, a pagan to become a Jew. For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. So they were missionaries, and if you think of it in that sense. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. I mean, this is going from bad to worse. Talk about pass or fail, right? Verse 16. I think right now, by the way, they're hoping he will just uh, let up, ease up, and leave. But he's not done. Verse 16. By the way, this is in the temple where he's doing this. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. Verse 18, and whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. These were uh, rulings and judgments of these scribes and Pharisees, right? Well, what is the Lord's answer to that? Verse 19, ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. These are, are herbs, okay? T you know, tiny herbs, minuscule. For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat, so like a little gnat gets in your soup, right? Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. They are failing. I hope you're not, but you might be too, all right? You get upset at the tiniest little thing, but you swallow a camel by comparison? Come on. Verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion, and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first 
that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres. So this is like a big tomb, like you see down in New Orleans or many other places around the world, London or wherever. For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Wow. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Let's stop right there. You know what? should have happened right here in the hearts of the Pharisees and scribes is they should have been convicted of sin because God is calling them out and he's calling them to repentance and faith in him. That's what they should have done, but they didn't. In fact, as I said, in a couple of days, they will crucify him and feel good about it, that they're serving God. Verse 34, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Now, by the way, when people say, Jesus never claimed to be God, who sends the prophets, wise men and scribes? God does. And he says here, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Now, they didn't do it, but their fathers did. But you know what? They were in their fathers. So they did it, and they were about to do it again to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 36. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now these were the last words of Jesus in the temple, out among the people, preaching to them that rang across this massive, crowded, 35-acre temple complex. Jesus would not come here preaching again until he comes to take over the earth. That's in the second coming, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to be king over the earth. That is going to happen. Now, he would be brought back for part of his trials, the six trials that he had, but that would be as the sacrifice. But he would have no more messages for them. In fact, you're going to see in the next episode or two, the next two episodes, I would say, that his teaching now turns to his disciples. You'll see that in chapters 24 and 25, all still right here in the Passion Week, just before he's betrayed by Judas. So he has called them out. He has convicted them of sin, but they've not responded. And he tells them that he basically is done with them until he returns in the second coming. Now, that is to the nation Israel. Individual priests, you will see in the book of Acts, are going to come to Christ after the resurrection. In fact, many will. But Christ will, he's, he's telling them that he is leaving just as the glory of God was taken away from the temple in Ezekiel's day. Now, I want to ask you a question. How did you grade out? Did you pass or fail? Now, even if we are believers in Christ, we know that we are not sinless. We are not perfect. But I'm asking you, as a believer in Christ, what's going on inside? Do you need to get the inside right again? I don't mean be saved again. I'm talking about confession and repentance so that the outside is right. Are you just going through the forms of religion and there's no longer an inner joy, an inner presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the inner reality of that living relationship with him? You need to repent and return to that. Some of you listening may be saying, I failed, 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 failed. And maybe you're realizing that you need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of your religious efforts, whatever they may be, whether they be in some um, 
denomination of Christianity or you're Islamic or you're a Hindu or you're um, a Shintoist or, you know, (laughs) the the names of religions are escaping me now, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're very religious, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, but you're realizing that inside you're a train wreck. Inside you're like those tombs he talked about. They look great on the outside, gleaming white marble, but inside is nothing but corruption and decay. Does that describe you? You need Jesus Christ. I want to give you a number. I'm going to say it twice. I want you to write it down. I want you to call it, and someone will help you become a Christian, to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, so you can know for sure how your eternity will turn out. It's not about religion. It is about a living, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you can stop following Satan, which will only lead to being condemned to an eternal hell. And many people in religion today are religioning their way right into hell. It is about a living relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's a number, 877-247- Two four two six eight seven seven two four seven two four two six, or you can go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. Listen in Romans three twenty three. As we close, we read for all his sin. That means you and me. For all his sin and come short of the glory of God. In Romans six twenty three, it says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the book of Romans, it goes further in chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's talking about Jesus Christ. Listen, I want you to make that call or go to that chat line. Get the help that you need. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you will indeed share this with others that they might hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And I hope that if you're realizing that you failed in your religious report card, that you will utterly cast yourself upon Jesus Christ as the only hope for your salvation, not religion but a saving relationship with Him. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.